Welcome to The Screeners, Episode 7. This week, The Screeners battle iPad and tablet addiction in four-year-olds. Next, we discuss the latest film from Chris's favorite auteur, Michael Bay, in a mini-review of Pain and Gain. We join Danny Boyle as he laments the Pixarification of Hollywood. But does he have a point? We debate the pros and cons of actually going to see movies in a theater and Hollywood's brazen attempt to get us out of our living rooms. Marvel is back in our main event, and you won't believe what happens during our review of Iron Man 3. And in the cutting room floor, we catch up on what's been on our screens for the last two weeks. Let's go. From the big screen to the small screen and everything in between, this is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screeners Podcast. This is Melody. And Chad. Chris. And I'm Josh. And we're back again to talk all things media. We just wanted to take a minute up top to say if there's anything you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, drop us a comment at screenerspodcast.com or send us an email at screenerscast at gmail.com. Before we get started today, we wanted to just let you know that we want to feature a new segment called The Mailbag, and we really want to hear from you guys. So please send us your feedback. We will be doing a quick mailbag segment at the end of the cutting room floor today. We do have a little bit of listener feedback to share, so stay tuned for that. So let's get started with our jump cut segment. So jump cuts, as we all know, is our lightning round. We get 60 seconds to discuss some news of the day and some general questions we have. And then we extend the discussion only by Democratic vote. So let's jump right in. I ran across an article this week that I found particularly interesting because I am a parent of a young child. And I know Chris and Melody, you guys have uh, young kids as well. But it's talking about the fact that toddlers are becoming so addicted to iPads that they're actually starting to have therapy. The doctor used the quote. He said the, the withdrawal symptoms that they experience are the same as alcoholics or heroin addicts when the devices are taken away. They have children oh, as young as four years old that are actually having to go through therapy on how to uh, wean themselves from uh, electronic devices. So I thought that was very interesting, and I thought we would talk a little bit. Uh, And so we're looking at a new generation that's going to have some interesting challenges. So I'm curious, Josh, very curious to hear what you would have to say about this topic. The pediatric societies have been saying for years, this is kind of an outcropping of what's happened ever since TV started to be used as a babysitter. Like there, there's rules about how many hours you're supposed to have your kid under three watch TV or whatever, not expose them to TV until they're two, things like that. But so what you're saying is I need an app for my phone to tell me when my baby has been using my iPad for too long. <laughs> That's what I got out of this. <laughs> nice. I mean, I don't really have any room to talk because I don't have kids yet and I don't know what it's like, blah, blah, blah. But call me crazy. It seems like if people were okay with paying attention to their kids instead of playing on their own phones, we wouldn't need screens three inches from the baby's face to babysit them. I mean, at least put them a few feet away from a screen and put on Sesame Street something. (laughs) Very angry not to have children. Keep going, going, Josh. (laughs) I'm sure it's been 60 seconds, but... No, it hasn't. Not quite. Yeah, Sweet. And now it has been. So, uh, (laughs) so Chris, uh, you are father of two. Uh, What do you think about this? 
I feel like, you know, there are a lot of things that are addicting that children have access to. Uh, you know, sugar would be one of them. You know, bad habits, all that stuff. It, that You know, that's one of the things you've got to, as a parent, make sure that you don't allow your children to form bad habits as a part of being, being, a, hus- uh, being a father or, you know, being... Being a husband. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> I heard that. Bad know habits. Uh-oh. <laughs> we better focus this back on the kids. Uh, anyway, so... My point is, this is a parenting problem. You've got to give children schedules and limits. And I mean, obviously, it's easier just to give them an iPad and let them go. I mean, I know that out of experience because, you know, you get sometimes frustrated in the day. You're doing a lot and just easier just to sit them in front of an iPad. Um, but you've got to be able to, to give them limits. And it's a parenting issue, not necessarily a technology issue, I would say. OK. And Melody, what do you think about this? This was a a highly disturbing article to me uh, because I am a parent of two kids. um, And I definitely think it's a valid concern. Like you guys have said, like anything else, the responsibility lies, first of all, with the parents. And I definitely carefully monitor the amount of time that my four-year-old spends with an iPad. But, I mean, it's definitely super easy just to hand it over to her when when she needs an activity. And I don't have time to necessarily engage her. So I can see that it's a slippery slope to to bad things. So I feel like it's the responsibility of the parents in that sense, but I also feel like it's the responsibility of the parents to display the proper behaviors when it comes to these devices because frequently parents are on their own devices all the time and I know I'm guilty of it sometimes too, you know, being on my phone all the time. Um, you know, sometimes parents have the phones at meal times or playtime with the kids and I just feel like if kids are seeing their parents interacting with their devices that much, it's going to affect them even more yeah you said so much better what i could only say through sarcasm (laughs) (laughs) well i I come down on the side where i I see the positives of using i mean come on to be able to at a a young age and i think this article was mainly focused on a little bit older demographic their youngest person was four but they had kids that were in the six seven eight year old range but to be at that age and, and have an ios device or an android tablet or something like that is really a a positive or can be. The one thing that I I have seen a lot, especially as we've been around more parents, is there is kind of a a natural reaction where a lot of parents, while looking at their device, tell their kids not to look at theirs. Uh, And so (laughs) that doesn't make sense to me. So I'm struggling with this and I'm trying to, you know, my son's a little bit too young to, although he does like the nighttime iPad thing where he'll go to sleep, but uh, we're getting to that point where we're going to have to make some decisions. But Definitely don't want him in therapy unless it's for something way cooler than iPad addiction. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what could be cooler than that? All right, guys. So I was able to finally see a movie that I had been looking forward to for years. The new Michael Bay film. That's right. Michael Bay. New film. Pain and gain. And uh, (laughs) anyway, I, I, I was I was excited to see it going in. I, you know, I'd seen some of the trailers, but I had no idea really what to expect. So I'm excited to hear what y'all's reaction was to Pain and Gain. Melody, what'd you think? I have one word for this film, and it's the word that kept coming to me when I was walking out of the theater, and that word is appalling. Uh, I can't even express how much I hated this movie. I thought I was going to be going to see like a a comedy about like bumbling criminals and it was going to be funny, whatever. The content of this movie was so horrifying because it was presented as like a comedy, but it was not funny. Like these are serious psychopaths 
doing awful things. And like if it had been presented in a crime drama or something, I feel like it wouldn't have been so disturbing. But uh, this I mean, I could say a lot, but I, I don't have any time left. But I feel like um, you can have the, mine. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the only thing that kept me watching was the fact that it is a true story. Um, but even that uh, could not redeem this film. And I feel like the world is certainly a worse place for having a film like this in it. Thank you. And good night. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. The mic. All right, Chad. What did you think of pain and gain? Don't, don't break know. my heart. Let's just copy and paste everything Melody said <laughs> oh, to oh, every no. Michael Bay movie ever made. Um, let me say this. No. I, I really would love to do an extended cut on this because there's so many things I could say about <laughs> yeah. this movie. Yes. But, Let's but, just do it. But let Let's me just, just let me just say that my initial impression is this. First of all, I love dark comedies, okay? American Psycho, Fargo, Little Miss Sunshine, you know, In Bruges, American Beauty, you name it. Barton Fink. It can be done well when a movie has something to say, when it has something on its mind. And this movie does not have anything on its mind other than Michael Bay is like a 16-year-old boy with a really good cinematographer. It's just (laughs) terrible. It is so terrible and so mean. And I did some research on the actual true story behind this. And the more that I learn about it, the more I hate this movie. So if we can do an extended cut, I can go in a little more. But overall, I am in total agreement melody this movie is awful the end right all right well, tell well, us how we great it the, is chris well no no we, I, I, josh do you not want to say anything about the film you've got to say something right well or did you not wait, see it first did i not what chris chris <laughs> i don't know i don't know chris i haven't seen godfather oh my god don't say that out loud josh. Do think, please don't don't say that what? out loud why do you, you think i saw okay. this movie Let's just take a vote. Oh, Who no. thinks I saw this? <laughs> no, All you didn't. All right. of our listeners so shut just up. walked out All right. the door. So, I'm so sorry that I gave you a forum, Josh. Stop. <laughs> All right. I, no, I, I got a minute, but it's it's going to have to consist of you picturing my face when you brought up this question. <laughs> oh, my god. That's going to have to be my minute. Let's just sit in silent reflection <laughs> of what you thought, Josh thought, about uh, this question. Yeah. <laughs> no, really, Chris, I, I hope you enjoyed it. I really hope you loved it, and I hope your childlike joy at this movie redeems it <laughs> and all of its awfulness. Now, please proceed. <laughs> all right, Chris. All right. We've paid so the way. This, this movie... Uh, was awful in every I single imaginable it. way. <laughs> what? Um, so it really was, and 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 I think I don't know if you guys said it already, but it was, in my opinion, soulless. Like it felt as though they were they were they had this true story that may have been a you know a, a good story in any other film, and maybe even any other hands of any other director, like. But not Michael Bay, because this is not a story he should be doing. This is this is like a serious, uh, crazy, I cannot believe this happened type thing. And it just, in his hands, it became, you know, polished and candy coated and brightly colored. And it was just, the tone is just all wrong for the content that they were, that they were doing. It just, it was very, maybe that was the idea. Maybe that was his like, you know, his cinema, you know, his, 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 his piece of like, I don't know, commentary on the thing. But for me, it was just, it was, it was not good. I, I liked Ed Harris, but that's pretty much all I can really say about this movie. I did not, I did not enjoy it at all. Okay. Your time is up, but can we do just a short extended cut on this? Yeah, let's do it. Totally. Okay. So let's talk about it. I don't no. want to wait. Too, I don't. I don't want to hate on it because because it can become like a hate fest. But I definitely no, no. want to talk. About I want to hate on it. This it needs movie to be a hate fest. A hate fest. <laughs> so, Are you kidding me? You know, here's it the does, thing. It does. On the one hand, you do have to say that it 
in some regards, it is a competent film, okay? If you watch it, it's put together, it has essentially... A, a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. It, you know, it was. Uh, it's a Hollywood movie, <laughs> okay? What? But what? here's here's what, here's what I'm saying. I mean, like in the most base sense. But you know, here's a per- perfect example: is like a film can be violent, a film can be cruel, it can be dark. I mean, even take take a movie like In Bruges, take a movie like A Clockwork Orange. You know, movies that have things on their mind. But but put it in Michael Bay's hands, and what you get yeah. is a scene in a hospital with a really obese man walking out of the bathroom with oh. you know poop all over the wall, right? Or <laughs> so or a bad. fight in a hotel where the so security bad. guard can't be a security guard; it has to be a midget with tattoos, and you know yep. it's like what? Yep. It's the most juvenile, <laughs> ignorant, stupid thing that I've ever seen. And then see, <clears throat> I'm sorry, hang ahead, on, Chris. Chad. W- but what you're describing right now sounds as though that that would kind of be funny almost but uh, it, yeah, it, it, it's it, not it, it, I know exactly but I'm just saying but while you're describing it I can hear Josh laughing in the background but as you're describing it I think of back uh, my actual viewing of this film and it wasn't funny it was no. just it felt no. juvenile and like lowbrow and just really totally, bad totally <laughs> lowbrow and then you th- the thing about the this being based on a true story is that it seems as if every choice that Michael Bay made the more you learn about the actual story was to make these main characters the bodybuilders more sympathetic for some yeah, reason he tried to make you root for them while they're doing absolutely horrible things except that it's not and if you're going to do that it's got to be clever it's got to be funny it's got to have levels of it's got to have a message it's got to be like a breaking bad type thing where you 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 can understand why they're doing these awful awful things and after you finish you you think about man that was terrible but in this film you don't you don't feel that way at all you you like this is a horrible person doing horrible things you're trying to manipulate me to think that they're good but holy cow no good person would be doing this it was terrible there was a point when when the little words came on the bottom of the screen or whatever and it was like remember this is still a true story true story yeah Yeah. i mean like serious Yes. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I would say what was happening, yeah. but I guess that's a spoiler. Yeah, but it is. Um, it is. I mean, I, I just kept telling myself that the whole time, and I, I completely agree with you guys that it's com- so manipulative to try and get you to yeah. care about these characters that are it's, it's just appalling. It's horrific. It's un—I I just— I can't. Yeah. And for the awful. record, I was laughing not because I thought those scenes would be funny, but because I can't believe it would be done outside a Jackass movie. Oh, yeah. No, and I mean, yeah, it's like some of the comedy feels like it's from like Bridesmaids or something like yeah. that. But that doesn't fit with like the dark comedy right. thing. That's what I'm saying. Like Jackass, so you know what weird. you're getting? Like it, it, it's on that oh, yeah. level the entire time. But this thing tries to be serious one minute and then come back down and be funny. And like you're saying, like, you know, a midget with tattoos. And then all of a sudden we're back up here with like, you know, horrific, you know, violence that is. Hey, Chris, you know, it's terrible. can I anyway. say I'm so proud of you today? Right. I'm yeah. so Thank you. proud. Walking out of that film, Melanie and I. You know, we we saw the film together. Walking out, I, I knew we weren't supposed to. We, we try not to talk to each other afterwards. After we, when we know that we're going to be reviewing the film on the podcast, but I, I looked at her. I was like, I I feel like I don't know. It was, it was like the worst experience I've ever had. Well, anyway. we all hate it. We got to stop, or we'll yeah. be talking about this for a while. So, boo yeah. on you, Michael Bay. Thumbs down. Yeah. I thumbs down mm-hmm. all the way down. Number three. 
Okay, so for my question, um, we came across a video from director Danny Boyle, who's the director of Slumdog Millionaire, 127 Hours, and several other very good films, talking about the Pixarification of movies. And basically what he's saying is that we are in danger of losing the quality adult films due to just the media industry wanting to kind of dumbed down uh, the mainstream blockbuster and what he thought about that. And so I was curious what you guys thought about that video and what you guys think about that concept. Chad? Well, I really like Boyle. I like most of his films, Train Spotting, Sunshine. But I, I agree and disagree. I, I do agree that the proliferation of films that come out in a calendar year are certainly geared toward PG-13 audiences and below. And and to a degree, I, I, I can empathize with what he was saying about being young and waiting to be old enough to get into the theater to see an R-rated movie. I remember my first R-rated movie I saw in the theater was Platoon. And the experience of seeing that was, I mean, like really almost soul crushing, but in a good way. And wait, so I, wait, I, what? <laughs> soul yeah, crushing? Yeah, but in like, a good I mean, way. I was moved and terrified and all that stuff ah. that I'd yeah. never felt before um, in a film. So, anyway, I'm about to run out of time, but <clears throat> I think that they still come out. They just all come out in the fall, and it's going to be like independent films or very small financial investments for studios. So, I agree somewhat. Josh, what do you think? Yeah, I'm kind of on the same in the same boat as Chad. I, I'm not sure he should be putting Pixar's name on this whole phenomenon, calling it the Pixarification of movies. Uh, even he admits in that video that Pixar has good narrative structure and has a handle on stories. But I'm not. Maybe it's because I haven't seen a whole lot of yeah until recently. Maybe it's because I haven't seen a whole lot of '70s movies that he's talking about. But I really don't think I don't think there's a shortage of adult themes in movies these days. He he mentions that it's sad that adult movies now means porn, and I agree with that. But I, I think we have lost some intricacy in the general movie population, the intricacy of plot and detail. But I think that's more of a problem with algorithms writing scripts and determining what's going to be marketable and successful. A general dumbing down of culture these days. Never trust a computer to do an artist's job and never trust a millennial to appreciate art. <laughs> wow. And there goes the you other half there. of our listeners. <laughs> and right under 60 for, seconds. Thank Done. you, Mom and Dad, for joining us tonight on the screeners. Have a we good have night. two listeners left. Okay. Well, Chris, if anyone's still yeah. listening, what do you think? Well, I think that Danny Boyle has a point, but I don't necessarily think it's a, a bad one. He, he's not necessarily saying that the movies are bad that are Pixarified. Uh, he's just saying that we've lost the mature adult themed movies. And I don't know if that's necessarily true. I, I feel like it's just that all of the all the popular movies everybody's going to see just has a bigger audience if you're able to include kids and teenagers in that mix. And so that's why, you know, a PG-13 movie is going to perform better because you've got a larger audience that's, quote unquote, allowed to go see that film and allowed to be marketed to. So I think that's kind of the reason why we're seeing this is that studios have gotten smart, money. smarter with advertising. So I'm sorry. Yeah, it's money. It's money. Yeah. And that, that is that's what I would say is that's the Pixarification, really. It's the money, not necessarily the content. Yeah, I think you guys um, kind of all summed up my feelings as well. I, I think he's right. There's a danger of it, but I think there's definitely still a lot of good movies. And I was just 
looking back at the list of, you know, Oscar nominees from this year. And I mean, I, there was a lot of good adult movies still on there. But like you said, they weren't the big box office blockbusters. Um, and I think Josh was definitely right when he said it's just the dumbing down of culture as a whole. And I think that, that this is just one, you know, outcropping of that. I did think he had a good point that that the cable networks have kind of picked up more of those adult themes lately. And that's why we're getting mm. quality, not not adult programming as in, you know, porn, but you know what I'm saying? Good shows that have adult themes mm-hmm. on, on the cable networks. So, um, yeah, I, but I, I think he's partially right. Just like you guys. Yeah. Can I just say one more thing real quick and just literally yeah. one line? Come on, let me Go say it. it. One line. Mature does, does not mean rated R. Do you know what I mean? So like, I don't want people to feel like that. That's what we're saying. Like there can be a PG movie that can be adult themed. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's a way you of making it happen. Was PG and it had boobies in it. No, I just mean like the life of Pi. You that know was more mean? than one line, just for the record. <laughs> no, shut up. Anyway, <laughs> please, all please right, continue. let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. So in the theater, the past couple months, as I've been seeing movies, there I see a lot of trailers. But I also see one thing that starts out as a trailer and turns out not to be one. I don't know whether you've seen it or not. It's been in a couple different chains, but apparently not all of them. It starts out as a trailer for Pacific Rim, the new Guillermo del Toro movie. But as you get about 15, 20 seconds in and the screen starts shrinking and the sound gets all tinny and shrinks with it until eventually you're on a flat screen TV and they have text on the screen that says something like, you can't watch a movie this big on a screen this small. And then a robot flies in from the side on the full big screen and crushes the TV or something like that. It's half trailer, half ad for going to see a movie at a theater. And I'm wondering, A, if everyone's seen this or if it's just me, and B, what you think of it running right alongside normal trailers. Chris. (laughs) Dramatic pause. (laughs) I'm sweating. All right, so I have not seen this particular uh, trailer slash ad. Um, But one of the interesting things that I have to say is, is that this sounds like the theater industry grasping at straws to stay the same without doing anything different to get more uh, people coming into the to the theater. I feel like if you're going to compete with the fact that now I have access to thousands and thousands of videos and movies on demand in my home and that people have better and better screens, soon to be 4K screens and better and better sound equipment, that unless you differentiate your your establishment, your theater in a way that people want to go there, people aren't are going to stop going. And you can't just run an ad saying, it's bigger, so it's better. That's not necessarily true. I feel like you have to do something like uh, there's a theater tra- chain called Alamo Draft House that I really wish I had access. I, we don't live in, near any one of them, but you know they, they have a silent rule. And if you talk or text or whatever, they actually... So anyway, um, all I'm saying is, is that you have to make a better experience to get the people in <laughs> you got buzzed be quiet <laughs> no i will not chris just ignored the buzz and just kept his sentence going on like nothing did, happened <laughs> you hear that folks we tried to buzz you know okay? what Listen don't be sending more emails I, about not I, buzzing we tried I, I get buzzed so much that i just ignore the buzz and i just keep going well there you go so melody i hear it's your turn 
Uh, yes, I also have not seen this specific advertisement that you're talking about, but I, I would have found it very annoying had I seen it. Uh, I did see another thing, however, when we just saw Iron Man 3 that was a Star Trek-like cross-promotion type advertising. Chris, do you remember that? Yes, it was awful. I can't remember what it was for. but It was for insurance. It was horrendous. They like come out on the bridge of the Enterprise, or it's not the Enterprise, it's like some ship that looks just like it. And they're like, why does the Enterprise get all the good missions? And then it's just like this horrendous trailer about insurance. And then they're like, see Star Trek Into Darkness, blah, blah, blah. It's like a complete cross-promotion. I think stuff like that is super annoying. So, yeah, that's what I think. Chad, help me out here. Okay. Tell me you've seen it. I have seen it three or four times, actually. And I agree with Chris that me personally, I wish I had a theater that was like the Alamo Draft House where they literally will kick you out if you're texting or answering your phone or all that stuff. Although, in this particular case... I actually agree with this with this ad. I have a at home I have a 92-inch television, I have surround sound, I have a, a marvelous experience to watch film at home and there is still absolutely nothing that comes close to the sacred in my opinion experience of going to a theater, going to the big screen. Now, yes, there are lots of things that aggravate me about the theater going experience that need to be fixed, mostly related to etiquette some things related to projection and things like that. But to me, I agree. There is just no way to see a film like being in a theater. So I agreed with it. Josh, what about I hope, you? I hope you heard me rolling my eyes during that uh, little <laughs> pee into uh, theater going. Well, you'd I have to actually theater, go to a theater to appreciate it, Ziegler. And I'd have to define <laughs> pee in for you. Um, <laughs> that's good. That's good. <laughs> Thank you. Incorrect, so, but good. I uh, I worked in a theater between high school and college, like during summers in college. And once the smell of popcorn oil and soda burns itself into the mucous membrane of your nose, theaters forevermore smell like that and sadness and that and sadness being synonymous. And so to me, the theater going experience is a mixture of these etiquette problems and a mixture of this awful, awful smell. And half <laughs> yep. the time the sound's too loud or too quiet or no such thing. I'd rather loud. sit at home with my big screen TV and watch a movie on demand. I mean, yeah. that's just Seriously? me. Plus, and now the, my mom the and dad just promotion left the drives podcast. me nuts. But, huh? Nothing. What's Go ahead. I said my parents <laughs> now left the podcast because not only do you not <laughs> see don't movies, have a big you hate TV. going to the theater. <laughs> Welcome to the screeners. <laughs> hey, Chris started it. On-demand options and better sound systems and 4K TVs. Chris uh, started. We're all out of time. Are we going to yeah. talk about this a little more or not? Let's just give me two. Okay, let's let's um, talk about it a little. All right, here we just, go. Yeah. Because I, I feel like you've got to, Josh, I mean, if, if, if the theater had something that was so much better than what you had at home, you would at least be enticed to go. But now you're like, I can just wait six months and see that movie at home and it'll be just as good and I can control the experience. Um, and that's what I think most people think that's the, the, the rationale that they have. And so unless a theater does something different, like now they're trying to do all these theaters that serve food and make it kind of a, an event, um, to differentiate themselves. And I think that's a good thing rather than it being 
you know, them trying to, because the point of that, the point of that ad is, is that it's bigger, so it's better. But I don't necessarily think it's true. But those are all feature things that you talk about. And I do agree those are important. I mean, I've been, the nicest theater I've ever been in in my life was an AMC in uh, downtown Kansas City, Missouri, which AMC's headquarters is in Kansas City. And it was like an amphitheater kind of thing where the screen was uh, from the ceiling to the floor. It had marble floors in the lobby, chandelier food. It was really, it was spectacular. But yeah. that to me, those are nice and I appreciate those things. But th- don't you guys think that there's something that's exciting about seeing a new movie with a packed theater of people that are also excited to see that film? There's just a different energy in the room. I than, think there's, yeah. I, I think there's tentpole releases, but I don't want to necessarily see every film that way. Like, you know, like a smaller film that come out during the winter or, you know, the spring, those films that you know are good i want to see them but i don't need to see them with a full packed house yeah i I don't want to totally sound like the grumpy jerk that i am but it (laughs) it depends on the movie yeah like if a batman movie a a dark knight rises or whatever no not star trek i'm not seeing star trek oh Oh, my my word (laughs) yes you are are. no i'm i am I can't even get my wife to go to that. We're reviewing she's, it, she's so fine you are going seeing to comic it. book you movies. And we reviewed it. 42 you, last time. Have I seen you are 42? Seeing Answer, it. no, I have not. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> well, we are huh. trying to shut this podcast down, aren't we, folks? <laughs> Josh, single-handedly. Beginning look, to. look! You came to me and you said we're going to do a podcast <laughs> about movies. Do you want to join? And I said I haven't seen any movies, and you said we don't care. Come on! <laughs> like, all right, you get what you ask for. Yeah, I guess we messed up. You're seeing Star Trek. End of discussion. Welcome to the main event. This week in our main event, we're reviewing Iron Man 3. You experience things, and then they're over. I can't sleep. And when I do, I have nightmares. Some people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a teacher. Number one. Heroes. There is no such thing. Iron Man 3 is the latest Marvel entry into the Marvel Universe. It goes without saying they've had unprecedented success uh, coming off of the Avengers. This is taking us back into the world of Tony Stark. Uh, The description from IMDb says, When Tony Stark's world is torn apart by a formidable terrorist called the Mandarin, he starts an odyssey of rebuilding and retribution. So we all saw this, including Josh, right? Yes. Yay. But we're gonna say that. Get a so, sticker. Yeah. Let's uh, let's start with Melody. Melody, what did you think about? Well, let, let me ask you this. Number one, what what did you think about the first two installments of Iron Man, and then what did you think about three? And what we'll do is we'll give our just brief impressions, and then we'll dive a little bit, bit deeper next time around. So, Melody. Okay, I loved the first Iron Man. That's probably probably my favorite of all of these uh, Marvel movies that have been coming out lately. Second one was a far lesser film, but still rather enjoyable. Iron Man 3, you know, I feel like maybe I'm becoming a little jaded and critical because of this podcast. I had a fun time because I decided to have a fun time, 
but pretty much I thought it was uh, quite a goofy film. <laughs> so you did not like the Shane wow. Blackisms. Uh, I, you know, I love, I've loved other stuff that Shane Black has done. I loved Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, this movie, it didn't really work for me very well. Okay, and I can guess that we'll get a different response from Christopher. Chris? Uh, I don't know how deep I want to get into the discussion before we start talking in general, but I will just say I am in the same position that Melody was in, actually. <gasps> what is happening um, no. to this podcast? <laughs> so, I, you know, this this movie... I win. I this can't believe this. <laughs> Josh, movie, what have you done to us? Come to the dark side, my children. <laughs> this movie yes. is... Eight movies. Literally it is directed toward me. I mean, I love this kind of stuff, but... I just felt like, first of all, Robert Downey Jr., I I, lo- I liked most of the scenes that he, he was in. I thought he was really very, very good, and he's done a great job in the past. But especially with his interactions with that kid, just really broke things for me, for his character. It seemed really strange. And this The panic attack thing that happens, we can get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that stuff later. later. But I'm just, it just, just felt a little bit sillier than I wanted it to be. Okay. Josh? Wow. See, I was waiting to go towards the end because I was waiting to hear everyone else say this was such a great movie and then I was going to come in with, well, I've had a stressful life lately and I think it's given me sense of humor cancer and everyone else really liked the movie and I spent two hours just kind of being bored and wondering where the plot was and feeling like the one-liners were falling flat. Even though I liked the first two, I really liked the first one. Yeah. Um, I don't remember number two as well. I remember Mickey Rourke. That's about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the bird. Give me the bird. <laughs> but this third one was, I, I mean, I don't know. It was too long to not have a good story. And the script just felt really, really choppy. Like everything was supposed to be a one-liner. Anyways, uh, mm-hmm. going That's too deep. Good. That's but, a good okay. point. Well, I cannot believe that I would be the one that is most positive on this one, and I won't be. I totally agree. <laughs> you know, the thing is, is oh, I, I, I remember seeing the first Iron Man yeah. and it just being the most wonderful, happy, joyous, just great. Now, part of that great. is it big, was funny. It, it was. was part of that is the newness of it. And so to be fair, we you get so many of these Marvel releases year after year. At some point, uh, it, it wears on you a little bit. But my overall impression before we get into too much specifics is is very similar to you guys in as much as it felt long. It felt uh, silly, overly silly in some places, unrealistic. And I know that's I don't mean that like. Uh, breaking the rules of the comic book world, but breaking the rules of the established characters that we've had in the previous films. Uh, it just yeah. wasn't it, it wasn't interesting enough. And my biggest problem with this, and then we can get into a little bit more specifics here. My biggest problem was that they there was so much jammed into this that they started and then never resolved. I mean, things like you know things like his panic attack. He had it and then oh. it, then he didn't. And and I guess we'll we'll talk about that later when we get into spoilers and stuff. But there's just you know the the relationship thing was not working and then magically it's working. You know, I have a little kid sidekick and now I don't. You know, it was just all this craziness on top of the fact that the action to me was completely non thrilling. I mean, even yeah. even the spectacle at the end to me felt like it kind of whimpered out. The one sequence that I really got excited about was the uh, Air Force One and the skydiving. Oh. 
I, I enjoyed that sequence because I thought it there was some human drama there. Iron Man was actually in the movie. I felt like Iron Man wasn't even in this movie for like mm-hmm. 45 minutes. But anyway, so overall, I guess we're all kind of meh. Is that true on Iron Man 3? Is this possible? I would say meh to yeah. And that confuses me because, I mean, I've seen a lot of uh, friends and people that I usually agree with uh, their their movie, you know, tastes saying that they loved this movie. And I'm just really confused it. by that. I'm confused by the 79 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I should have loved this movie. I, there's no reason I love I love Iron Man. I love Robert Downey Jr. I love the wit and the humor. But man, I don't get it. And let me say, too, I think probably some of this and this is just my perspective on it i hated the second one i loved the first one i thought the second one was awful and so i think a lot of this is kind of like i think this is better than the second one for sure um so maybe people are just happy that it wasn't like part two i don't know i mean i i felt like iron man 2 was the setup for the avengers or at least kind of a prequel to the avengers and then this felt like just kind of a, a footnote of the Avengers. Like, oh, hey, and by the way, this also happened. And then we need to get into spoilers. Let's well, do that. Let's, let's do go, spoilers. Let's go yeah, around before we go into spoilers and, and just say one time, starting with Melody, should people see this, yes or no? I mean, it's Iron Man 3. If you liked the first two, I'm not going to say don't see it. I'm just saying don't have your hopes too high. Chris? If you want to see product placement for Sun Microsystems, Verizon Fios, Audi, and uh, some random Chinese manufacturers, then yes. Josh. Not no. Wow. Um, You're rubbing off on Chris, Josh. It's interesting. I, yeah, it's great. I don't have to say anything anymore. <laughs> um, it, if you really like comic books and you like the Mandarin from the 60s or whenever that was, uh, Sure. Really? I, I mean, yeah, not it won't be what statistics you say you'll like the movie, right? Seventy nine percent. Who am I to argue with statistics? We'll I don't talk know about what we'll talk like. about that in a few minutes. Yeah, and let me say this too, just to close out before we go into spoilers: whether we think you should see it or not is a moot point, as it made one hundred and seventy five oh million gosh, dollars well, domestically you will in the see opening it, so, weekend. Yeah. Everybody wants to see this film. I yeah. want to see this movie. I still want to see it. I've seen it, but I still want to see it. You know what I mean? Like it just was not what I wanted it to be. So let's move into the spoilers and. We'll talk about it. This new mean Chris scares me. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Come to me. (laughs) I know you're not telling you say something. I'm smarter than you, and I'm going to find out what I want to know, whether you like it or not. Okay. He mentioned Kaiser Soze. Who? After that, my guess is you'll never hear from him again. Whoa, spoilers. Let's talk about spoilers for Iron Man 3. Chris, you sound like you've got something burning on your mind over there. I really, I really, really do. Okay, so did anybody, did it bother anyone else? Of course, the the point in the movie that I was talking about, two the, two thirds of the way through, that happened was the reveal of who the Mandarin actually is. Mm-hmm. Did that bother anybody else at all? You know, a little bit because I... it is. Listen, listen, they they absolutely stole Batman Begins. Like that, this is this is like the crux of Batman Begins, and they just decided to do the exact same thing here. Um, you know what I mean, Raza Ghoul is not, you know, who he says he is. And now, you know, here we go. Mandarin is same kind of thing. It has really bugged me. I think for people that love the original Mandarin, that might upset them. 
Uh, it didn't bother me as much because Shane Black does this kind of thing. He loves like self-referential uh, Hollywood kind of humor and to make him like an actor and he's all about the art and the performance was a very Shane Black thing to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it didn't – at that point, I was kind of – I was so apathetic, honestly, that it was like, well, okay, whatever. Um, I mean, I'll, I think he did a good job. I think, I think, I think I, Ben Kingsley was ben funny. Ben Kingsley there. was very good in the film, actually, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, of the list of the – list of things that bothered me about this movie i think that would be way down on it i thought i thought ben kingsley was hysterical honestly i just wish they would have started with that like shown that he was goofy and crazy like i feel like that would have been a little bit better than it be a twist at the end because you're expecting something you know what i mean i I just feel like we were a little robbed he's supposed to be a villain and it just bugged it it just anyway at first well when they revealed it at first i thought he was like the actor he was the stunt double for the real guy yeah like the real guy was somewhere else yeah I, I don't know. I, I, don't I know. thought that was kind of funny. Okay. And we talked a lot about the the silliness of it, but there are a few things in there where mm-hmm. I really laughed out loud. And, and Shane Black is known for his some of his banter. You know, in particular, when he sees the little kid and he says, I loved you in A Christmas Story. See, yeah. I oh hated that. That, that really bothered me. Hey, Dude, did it bother anybody hilarious. else? Did it bother anybody else no. this was a Christmas movie? Yeah, what the heck? Was Why that? was this a Christmas yeah, it movie? Kinda, it was. <laughs> it was a Christmas. <laughs> Hold on, now, I've got I've got another one. You guys probably won't remember this because I doubt you've seen the film. But the when the guy's face all glows up and he calls him Westworld, you haven't seen Westworld. Oh, that no, that sorry. is hilarious. But if you haven't seen it, it's not really. And no. when he's talking with the little kid and he he says, "Hey, man, don't be a you know." Because your dad left. That's funny. Come on, guys. Where's your? What is wrong <laughs> with you? Come on, that's kind of that's funny, funny in a South Park kind of way. I mean, yeah. that's, yeah. that's really mean, funny. But right. that might be one yeah. of the lines I chuckled at. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you I, guys. The, 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 it was, but I mean, but by, by that point in the movie, you, you're literally trying to mine the good stuff from right. you know, all the junk that's around there. And you no, know. and and Tony Stark is at his best when he is interacting and riffing with others yep. and people exactly. that you care about and a lot of this movie was was Not isolation yeah and he's all having oh, the and, panic and the, attack you know the panic i'm okay with the panic attacks if you take it somewhere but it just kind of like <sighs> oh, okay i'm fine it's all good now you know just they magically were the stupidest went away panic attacks i've ever hey, seen though hey, completely but- bad acting and i love him but that was terrible let's talk about other things that are not that are suddenly you know that are problems that are no longer problems the the end of the film the way everything is resolved happens in a 30 second like voiceover did that bother anybody else like oh and hey by the way i decided to have the surgery to get this thing out of my chest that's been giving a problem <laughs> for the last pepper, four films and, uh, uh, he's a billionaire make... genius yeah but but he but, but he just did... fixed it yeah why yeah, did the 30 instantly. the 30 seconds at the end didn't bother me nearly oh. as much as the 25 minute action scene before that that was completely uh, uninteresting and yes. not exciting yeah, true. and that's hard true. to follow it yep. was just like yep. this is not I, you know he's not evidently well, it's hard to follow he's got 50 suits they kill everything hey, and Done. by the way this in, in, in this movie the robotic suit became like the mask in Mission Impossible like it was used everywhere say in the mask no 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 I just <laughs> no no I mean like you know literally it was like oh is this is this 
actually uh, Robert Downey Jr. or is right. it just, uh, you know, like a, a person right. in the suit? Oh, who is that? Who could it be? And oh, the bad guy's in the suit now. Oh, no one's in the suit now. Yeah. Oh, oh, now the there's suit a just thousand... crumbled apart for the 25th oh, time. Yeah, that's so that's funny. True. <laughs> it was really yeah. just like, yeah. it was like, oh, so here's the thing, guess guys. In the suit. We're, we're totally piling on this movie. This, this whole episode <laughs> is a hate fest of all things film and screen. We like things. So we much. like screens, things on our screens. I think part of this still we have to kind of look at the fact that we've seen yeah. so many of these things like the if you compare this to the Avengers the Avengers oh, oh. was so much better than this and it had just a sense of of fun and, and excitement and it was just it was just joyful and then you get into this not that it has to this has to be happy but you get into this and it's just all over the place tonally and it's just not good it's just not good that's the problem this was a sequel to iron man 2 and not a sequel to the avengers and it should have been a sequel a lot you know launching off from the avengers and taking that tone rather than the tone that we you know we've left with you know the 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 poorly well, received Iron Man 2. But I think they had to like keep the stakes low of the plot because sure. if the stakes were high enough then he would have just called it, in the Avengers. Then it should have know? been a small film not involving the President of the United States and you know like some sort of an epic you know I don't think it has to be plot. small it just has to be exciting and interesting yeah. and, and but, I, they just try to it's so convoluted there's so much junk in here that yeah. they're trying to do just tell a simple story with a character that we love and that's then, what I meant and then by we're s- on board. I'm still not entirely sure what the end game was there was no there was none i I had that question the bottom one what was guy pierce's like reason for doing all this it it did not make any sense come on guys he was the ugly disfigured guy at the beginning that then showed up years later very handsome and rich and smart with the lady (laughs) that he had a one night stand with who somehow miraculously appeared in his life again later we've never seen that stuff before Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, but what was what was the is it just to get back to at, at tony well, uh, who knows? No, he was going to make See, lots of money because he was going to control supply and demand of, well, I don't know, who yeah, cares? God, who even yeah. cares? That, that, was, that was the main goal, I think. And yeah. these little terrorist attacks were just, it was cover-ups of the drugs distraction test thing yeah yeah all right well we've hammered this into the ground for sure <laughs> have i said that i love this movie yet no <laughs> all right well we're sorry world and universe we we don't like this movie the cutting room floor so we don't have a whole lot of time on the podcast and a lot of things that we're excited about either fall by the wayside or we don't get enough time to really talk about and so i wanted to give us an opportunity this evening to chat a little bit about some things that we are excited about that we've seen played read or listened to over the last several weeks that maybe we haven't been able to highlight enough so josh what's been on your screen lately let's see well we watched the voice a lot now that it's on it's not necessarily my choice but i don't really hate it either i'm gonna kind of subvert the question a little bit because I'm looking forward to the summer off season of TV. Oh, I should add, I'm glad Mad Men is back. And I'm sad that their seasons are what, like seven episodes because they're lazy. But I'm looking forward to the summer off season of TV because A, Arrested Development, of course. But oh, yeah. also because a couple weeks ago, I finally managed to reach back into the Netflix queue and pull out the West Wing and get it started mm-hmm. again. We're on... Season two, uh, my wife my wife is. I've seen it all, and I'm looking forward to watching it again because it is amazing. As Chad will say, it is the greatest show on television ever. In the history and I, of television. In the history of television. And I actually agree with him. So <laughs> happy about that. 
Um, you didn't mention in the question, listened, things that we've listened to. It's on a screen. It counts. It's on my computer monitor. Sure. I have discovered a new to me, new to me, music streaming site that's kind of taken over Pandora uh, most of the time. It's called 8Tracks, and it basically hosts a bunch of user-created playlists. I'm not entirely sure where they pull the music from, but it is legal. Uh, You pick a playlist. They're categorized by genre and some musical attributes and stuff. A little bit like Pandora, but a little broader categories. And plays the playlist and then when that playlist is over it gives you a few seconds and it just picks another one that's similar to it hmm. and so I like hearing music that other people had picked out and I tend to hear some stuff that I've never heard on my Pandora stations so I like that because I like putting music on autopilot and what's the URL for that or is it an app or what is the um, how can uh, I'll put it up in it? the show notes it's just eight the number eight tracks.com cool awesome that sounds great I'll have to check that out as well Chad, what has been on your screen lately, man? I've been watching, I don't know how many of you guys continue to watch it, but I've been watching The Americans. I'm caught up on that show and I, I still love it. It got a little, had a little lull mid-season, but it's it's ramped back up toward the end and I'm loving that. I know a lot of people don't like The Office as much, uh, certainly even in the last years that Steve Carell was there, but I can't help it because I still love those characters. So I've yeah. been watching The Office. I had not watched any of it until about three days ago, and I watched like 20 episodes over the last three or four days. It's great. It's 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 really good. It's not as consistently well. funny as it used to be. But like I said, because I'm so deeply invested in those characters, I still enjoy it. Um, yeah, I've also I'll be been, there to the end, too. Yeah, Sorry. I've been uh, watching a few movies as well. I saw a movie called Ruby Sparks about a writer. Uh, It's not a new idea, but a writer whose creation comes to life and a relationship ensues. And it's actually pretty charming, pretty good, a good flick there. And then on Netflix, I watched Act of Valor, which is terrible. Mm. Oh, man, it's terrible. Now, the action in it is actually (laughs) somewhat... The movie with Marines? Yeah. I mean, the action is actually, it's pretty exciting uh, and enjoyable, but you can tell they're they're non-actors and it shows, so it's pretty bad. Um, And then I watched a documentary called Bully, and I actually put some stuff up on Facebook about this. this. This movie is infuriating and sickening on so many levels, and your emotions go from like top of the line anger and hatred to like almost weeping with sadness and so i would recommend that people see that see that documentary bully it's it's good and it's it's a problem and then finally hemlock grove i've i'm about three episodes into that now or four episodes into that now and that's just a weird show i don't know if i like it or if i don't um, yeah me neither but it's, that's a but it's i wanted weird, to talk about that you know because i i want to know what the story is i want to know where it's going but at the same time it's not very good does that make sense i mean it's yeah. just the acting is kind of mediocre and some of the cinematography is suspect and i don't really like the way that it's cut eh, but i'm curious where the story goes so that's that's what i've been watching awesome melody how about you uh, my number one thing that i watch religiously is definitely game of thrones that is the only show that i actually like care about watching you know the day that it comes out or whatever um, and I'm definitely still enjoying season three of Game of Thrones. Also, I am a Shark Tank fan. It's my uh, little Shark Tank. reality TV <laughs> pleasure. It's fun, whatever. I it like is. It. No, I've thought. Thank I you. Thank it. you. Uh, I, I am also watching The Office chat. I agree with you. I, I love those characters and I'm sticking with them. And I actually think this season has gotten a lot better. This last week's episode, I got a little, little teary eyed because I know it's coming to an end. Hmm. Yep. 
I I like Parks and Recreation also. I think that's a very funny show. That is a funny show. And I watch Smash because it's fun. And I believe it is getting canceled, which is probably a good thing because it's not as good as it used to be. But I'm still watching it. I may so, or yeah. may not know what you're talking about huh. with Smash. What? I may or may it's not. It's on right after Say Yes to the Dress. I may or may not love it. Oh my you gosh, totally know. know that. Of course you know. It I is love, a great look, show. It's the great. First season, like the first season, was ama- first season was amazing. Yeah. This season is yeah. not good. But anyway, no, it's not. Some of the music is really good, but mm, the story is blah. Yeah. So, but yeah, so, I still watch it. That's what I watch. Okay, for me, I've only got a couple of things. You guys have a whole list, but I just put together a couple of things just because um, I wanted to at least highlight them. Uh, the first one I will go for, and I don't know if I've actually even talked about it yet on the podcast. I just couldn't remember, but it's a little game for the PlayStation Network, either on your Vita or on your PS3. And that is a game called Guacamelee. Have I talked about this yet? No, but I'm surprised you're still admitting you own a Vita. Oh, the Vita is great. That's because I, it's a collector's oh. item. He's one of seven people in the universe that own one. <laughs> Trying to drive up the value. He got it like the day it came out. <laughs> yeah, no, I did actually. Guacamelee uh, is a, it's a side scroller, you know, in the, in the vein of Mario or Metroid or whatever. But uh, you actually play a Mexican uh, wrestler. What are these? What are those guys called again? Lucha Libre. There you go. Uh, and it's just quirky. But it's really well done. It's colorful. And it's if, if you're looking, it's only like, I think, 12 bucks or whatever. But it's like a full-sized, uh, really well-thought-out game. And, I mean, you know, it's so it's so goofy. I mean, you get the power to turn into a chicken. And you can run around as a chicken to get into smaller little areas like you would in Metroid. And, you know, you'd shrink down to your little ball guy or whatever and be able to get to other areas you weren't able to get to as you power up your your character. It's just a lot of fun. Uh, Guacamelee is, is, is a good, fun little game that I, I really can't put down it's 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 a blast uh and then the the show that i'm watching that we actually had written down as something we were going to review a while back but we didn't get to because it came out like the day we were recording and that is a show called hannibal has anybody have any of you guys watched hannibal at all I, I haven't, but I've got a couple of friends that keep telling me how good it is. It is amazing. It it, it hmm. may actually be my one of my favorite. It almost it comes up to the level of like a Game of Thrones to me. What? Uh, because what? even though it's even though it's an NBC like show, it it feels very much like a cable show, and that they are not they don't pull punches. It's a very mature, very. But uh, haven't you already seen the story before? No, no, you haven't. It's a prequel. Yeah, but it but again it's it's almost like a revisioning the basic premise of the show is that you've got a he's a, a profiler for the FBI. But the reason why he's makes he's such a good profiler is because he's he's got some psychological issues, but it's a very well written, very well shot just it, it's creepy on every single level um and it's it's a good show i can't recommend it higher it it i hope it continues because it you know it's one of those shows that i'm sure is 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 has to get a, a cult following in order to be successful and it's it's one of those great ones so it's just like pain and gain is what you're saying yeah <laughs> you're listening to the screeners podcast the screeners podcast we love hearing from you our listeners and love hearing what people have to say about our reviews our segments and pretty much anything. And we found that people don't necessarily listen to the show right as we release it. I don't either with podcasts, but we've had some people listening to some older episodes and we're getting some feedback. We've had someone chime in 
about our piracy discussion on Facebook, and that started a pretty lively discussion there, and we're glad to hear from Axel on that. And one of our friends, he does a lot of his interaction with us about the podcast via text message as opposed to Facebook and the website like we tell him to, but, you know, we're going to get him anyway. And he... He's someone we all know back from the days when Chris Melody and I were in college and Chad was a frat boy who didn't want to know that college had ended. <laughs> That's and, so sad. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so he had something to say about our favorite shows from childhood from the last episode. And I'm quoting here. He's the one person, sorry, the second person who has said this. He says, quote, Melody is awesome. Nobody's watched Briscoe, and it's totally a great show. Wild Wild West meets Bonanza and everything Bruce Campbell has ever done. So apparently Briscoe is not only a real show, but <laughs> I still don't believe it. The level Thank of you, Evil Dead Kevin. 1 and 2 you and Army of Darkness. You are my new best friend. The only reason Kevin likes that is because he likes Bruce Campbell because of Evil Dead. That's it. That's it. That's so but apparently he reason to like it. Bruce Campbell is awesome in Briscoe. At least he's actually seen Briscoe. You know what I mean? Was so Briscoe? Means... Yeah, he's he's saying that it exists, which there is the weirdest part. He's yeah. admitting it. <laughs> Whatever. You guys I should get together Kevin. and have a little VHS viewing party. <laughs> I have an idea. VHS viewing Thank party. My wife can much. bring her complete collection of moonlighting. I was going to say, we have the full, complete, oh my gosh, moonlighting. Sorry, we have the full, complete, wait, uh, is it moonlighting or northern exposure? One. I don't even remember. Anyway. Yay for Briscoe and yay for Kevin. Thank you, Kevin, for sending in your absolutely incorrect assessment. And thank you, <laughs> Axel, for trying to engage Josh in a battle of wits online. Yeah, and thanks for the feedback that we got from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, we've got some guys out there listening to the podcast that uh, got in touch with us to let us know that they really like Josh's input, but they don't understand why he hasn't seen anything, and we need to make him see some more movies. So uh, yes, we do. good luck to us on that front. Josh, you have yeah, any response? there go ahead and pick some movies for me to see well how am i supposed to give my honest gut feeling feedback if i've actually had experience with the thing it's 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 a truthiness kind of feel it it exists because i feel that it is so i do not need to have an external ex yeah oh, i just have, what? What? I have no idea what you just said made no sense. i don't know what, what you just said I just this lost. is what happens when you try to just get me to what? react to something. Wow. That didn't okay. make any See what you did, Phoenix. I might be on drugs. We hope that you uh, we hope that you appreciated that, Phoenix. That's all for you. Thanks for tuning into the Screeners Podcast. We love to hear from listeners. So please, if you'd like to talk more about something you heard on the show, or if there's something you didn't hear that you wish you had, just drop us a line. No matter how you're used to talking to people online, there's a good chance you can talk to us that way too. You can look for us on Facebook, search for Screeners Podcast, tweet us at ScreenersCast, send us an email, ScreenersCast at gmail.com, or leave us a comment at ScreenersPodcast.com, where you can also read up on the things we mentioned in the episode and send us ideas for future topics. And as always, if you like what you hear, help us spread the word by leaving some love in an iTunes review. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to screenerspodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.